Hi, and welcome to Overtime's podcast, where leaders come to learn. I'm your host, Jillian Davis, author of First Time Leader and founder of Overtime Leadership, where we are on a mission to enable managers everywhere to level up their leadership. Today, we cover one of the skills I think is going to be a requirement for any manager in the future, and that is facilitation. My career history started in a very top-down organization in a large corporation based in Montreal where decisions were made and fed downwards and you never really got a chance to question why you would do something like that or many times people kind of on the ground so to speak were never consulted and good ideas at the top when actually put into delivery failed very quickly because they hadn't consulted the right people. So that was my normal for the first half of my career until I joined Digital Product Studio Us2, which leads a very different approach and that's orchestrated through facilitation. That's very much led by the fact that they're a product development studio and in order to have great products, you need to have an environment where teams can work functionally and cross-disciplined Uh, in really effective ways. So they have team coaches work with every project team and a team coach's responsibility is to ensure that ideas are brought forward, team dynamics are healthy, and the team essentially is aligned on what they're going to deliver, by when, how, etc. And that kind of ethos spread throughout the whole business. So in order to make shit happen, you'd have to really make it a ground-up approach. And every initiative that I came to do or any meeting that I ran was then orchestrated through facilitation. I found myself really lucky because essentially good facilitation is like group coaching. And so the fact that I had experience as an executive coach, I think played really well to then having to do facilitation. It's just on a larger scale And obviously thinking, there's a lot more planning goes into facilitation than I think many people imagine. Um, But I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. And now running my business, facilitation plays a huge role in what I do. Because essentially it's about bringing people together that, you know, you orchestrate that space. They have the ideas in your head. As an external advisor or consultant, I don't always know what's best for your business because I've only been with you for a minute. So trying to get my clients to really get their ideas to the table in a way that is healthy, and that doesn't mean avoiding conflict, but addressing, you know, touchy subjects in a really managed way so that people can get across what they want to come across without it kind of spiraling out of control and becoming a bad session. Um, I think facilitation is going to be essential in the future of work because as and I hate to use the word millennial, but as the next generation of employees comes up the ranks, their expectations are that they will be brought along with different processes, with changes. And in order for managers to do that, they're going to have to learn how to collectively get groups of ideas into one place, synthesize it down to actions, and you know manage the room, so to speak. Another great benefit about having good facilitation skills as a common practice in your meetings is it helps a lot with the whole diversity and inclusion topic. When we think about introverts or people that might be a minority in a room will feel less comfortable sharing their ideas. And approaching meetings with a facilitator's mindset enables everybody in the room to share, bring their viewpoints forward without feeling uncomfortable.
So that's for me what facilitation um, means. It's been, I think it's, it's essential for me to do my job well. And I see it more and more crop up in other managers kind of toolkits, so to speak. Uh, today in the podcast, I'm joined by facilitation expert, Allison Coward. She's the founder of Bracket and the author of A Pocket Guide to Effective Workshops. She's a strategist, trainer, and workshop facilitator, and with over 15 years of experience working in, leading, and facilitating creative teams. Allison is passionate about finding the perfect balance between creativity and productivity, a really beautiful place to be. At Bracket, she helps teams to use the best of their talents to develop great ideas and to collaborate to make them happen, an essential part of facilitation. Really hope you enjoy today's session. Um, she's, Allison's going to share with us her kind of pro tips on how to get teams uh, to produce great ideas, uh, the essentials of preparation before facilitating something. As I said earlier, a lot of planning goes into facilitating. It's not just rocking up, putting out the post-its and markers and going for it. There's a lot of energy management that you've got to do and you've got to prep for that. Um, she shares with us what's in her facilitation toolkit and how you can start introducing new approaches to get the most out of your meetings with your teams. Allison's written a, a whole bunch of content on the topic. I'm going to share that with you on the newsletter and link to it in the link below. So enjoy, chat to you in two weeks from now. So I'm here with Allison from Bracket. Great to have you on, Allison. Thank you. Thanks for having me. No problem. It's a pleasure. I'm really excited to get into today's kind of core subject, which is facilitation. Why don't you kick off by letting us know what you do and you know where you've come from? Okay. So at Bracket, I help people that work in creative teams to work better together. And I do that through workshop facilitation, training, um, training in facilitation, but other things as well, and consultancy. A lot of my work takes place through workshop facilitation because it's all about um, people coming together, generating ideas, and then figuring out how they're going to deliver those ideas together. So often people will bring me in to um, design and facilitate a brainstorming session or a strategy session or even a project kickoff, and it, it will go from there. Neat. And how did you get into facilitation? Oh, that's a, that's a really interesting story. Um, I didn't even know that facilitation was a thing mm -hmm. when I started my business. And my business looked very different to what it does now. Uh, I started off Bracket by intending to run an agency that brought independent creative practitioners together to collaborate on projects for clients. Oh, neat. Um, and even though I kind of had the setup there and I had lots of access to creative practitioners, what I really found challenging was um, getting the projects in because mm. it was quite a new concept of working in that way and working quite transparently in that way back then, which was sort of eight years ago. Mm. Um, but what I did do is when I did get a team together, because all of these independent creative practitioners were based in different locations and they're all doing their own thing, it made sense to me to get them together in a room and we'd have a meeting and a session and we'd generate ideas and figure out what we were going to do together throughout a project. And because I wasn't a creative person, it just made sense to me that I would plan out that meeting and I'd be the person that would kind of guide the discussion 
Um, and as I said, I didn't even know that workshop facilitation was a thing, <laughs> but people like, kept on saying to me in these workshops or these sessions, you're really good at that, can you come and do that for my team? And I was like, what do you, what, do what? what? <laughs> I don't understand what you're asking me to do. But it turned out that facilitation was something that people really valued and needed, particularly in collaboration. Mm. And it just went from there um, through, you know, more people asking me to run sessions for them and then eventually asking them to or asking me to help them learn how to do what I what I do in terms of that facilitation. That must be really rewarding. It's great. I love it. I mean, there's nothing better than getting into a room um, with a group of people that have got like expertise and lots of creative ideas and just helping them to find a bit of direction and clarity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, taking kind of all the big sky thinking into action. Exactly. Very challenging. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it, you know, I definitely, through my work at S2, and they work in project teams, and it's a huge focus on collaboration, and that's when I got introduced to the power of facilitation. And the more and more, you know, I get exposed to how different uh, clients work or different offices work, facilitation is continues to come up, especially in digital businesses or creative businesses, because the need to work together well and to synthesize these ideas into one place is so important. Whereas when I work with people in a more traditional background, their association with facilitation is trust games yes, and, yeah, and yeah. you know dancing and making people uncomfortable. How do you balance that? Because I'm struggling, because I know when I talk to people, they're like, well, you know, you're gonna do what? Like, we're gonna have to draw something? And I'm like, no, like there'll be actual business value to a workshop. How do you have that conversation? So it's interesting for me because, as I say, I didn't come from a background where I wanted to be a facilitator and then I built the skills to do that. It just mm. came naturally to me. And the reason I think it came naturally is because, one, I had a project management background mm. um, and I've always worked in the creative sector. And two, because I had this massive passion for collaboration and it was in knowing that there's this element of creativity that can be quite messy and it's that messiness that can trip people up yeah. um, particularly when they're working together in teams and it was just my desire to kind of help find help teams find that clarity through that so as I say my workshop facilitation when I started it it wasn't a workshop to me it was a meeting that was run in a way to get the best ideas out of everybody in the room yeah. so I never started off doing things like trust falls or you know <laughs> like um, those kind of cheesy icebreakers because yeah. everything every facilitation session that I did was related to a project and um, so it was very very project focused um, so I think that's why people come to me yeah uh, I'm not known as a facilitator for doing kind of wacky games yeah I'm known for kind of project focused getting stuff done type of facilitation the practical stuff exactly yeah, yeah. I'm Which very practical sometimes <laughs> to a fault actually but yeah. <laughs> I can relate um, and so what I think why I think this is so um, fitting for this podcast and for this audience is I more and more millennials are or millennials I hate using the word but let's we'll categorize a whole group um are looking to be brought in to help make decisions or, you know, I'll often hear the term, this needs to be bottom-up approach. Uh, So gathering ideas and there can be a resistance when you have a traditional form of management, which is very top-down. 
and there's a fear of well, what happens when you allow everyone to give their ideas and then they think they can veto stuff and change the direction of the company. And so finding that balance, I think it's important for managers to learn how to facilitate. And like you said, sometimes it can be as simple as a meeting, but Absolutely. finding creative ways to bring forward ideas. So if someone was interested in trying to facilitate one of their meetings, what kind of tips would you give them? So I would, um, in, in a meeting, if you're doing it for the first time, I would say take a small part of that meeting. Don't try and facilitate the whole thing, especially if people are kind of resistant to the idea of kind of working collaboratively or trying, you know, a co-creation session. So I'll take an element of that, maybe 20 minutes, even 10 minutes, and do some kind of collaborative exercise, which enables people to um, get stuck into a really interesting challenge but at the same time don't feel threatened mm. by it as an exercise so one of the kind of basic exercises that I'll, I'll use this is the exercise that I'll use if someone asked me to facilitate off the cuff which I don't often do mm -hmm. but if someone asked me to facilitate off the cuff I would choose a really challenging question something that is really important to everybody something that most people have an opinion on give everybody a stack of post-it notes pose that question can you give an example um so it might be okay so it could be a specific project that's coming up, so it might be um, an event that a team is running, and they might ask, they might want to think about, you know, what what would, what kind of impact do you want to make with this event? Mm -hmm. um, so that's quite important because, you know, if you want the event to be effective, then it might be worth kind of exploring where you want that event to go and what the impact of that could be, and it would be useful to get views from everyone around the table. Right, because everyone might have a different... Exactly, and then you'll shape the event based on what those what those views are. Yeah. So I would pose that question, give everyone a stack of post-it notes and a Sharpie, ask everyone to silently write down their responses to that question for a minute or two, maybe three, four, five minutes, mm -hmm. and, and then just get everyone to feedback one by one and putting their post-it notes in the middle of the table or on a wall, grouping those post-it notes into themes and seeing what, what themes emerge. Mm. And that's a really quick way of gathering insight from everybody around the table. Everyone is going to have something to say. Everyone's going to have the opportunity to say something. And then in a very short space of time, you can see the amount of ideas that have come up um, from, from, from around the table. Just from one simple question. Just from one simple yeah. question and a tiny little bit of facilitation. Um, and people will often kind of say, we got, we got more done in that 10 minutes than we did in the rest <laughs> of the meeting because the rest of the meeting is just like a kind of back and forth discussion going around in loops. Some people are kind of sitting out, not really interested. Other people are dominating the conversation. So when you've got an exercise like that, which really grounds everyone, every, gets everyone to focus um, and also gives everyone an opportunity to air their views, then mm. it can be extremely effective. And I'm so I know that I've come across this, and I'm sure you have too, around dominating personalities mm -hmm. when you're facilitating, because they'll, they'll they can still be very present. Mm -hmm. uh, and what I love about facilitation is it, or having these workshops, is that it does allow for all ideas to come forward, especially when you do an exercise like that, where you know people are forced to write what they think and present it in a way that's comfortable for them. But when you you can get into group discussions or people do start to um, you know, take over the meeting, how, as a new facilitator, do you manage that? Because I think that can be really challenging. Um, so 
one of the things that I say to, to new facilitators, if you've never facilitated a session before, or you're quite nervous about facilitating on the day, the kind of act of facilitation on the day, is to put as much effort into the preparation as you can. Because the more that you prepare, the more that you, um, well actually the, the less presence you might need to actually have on the day and kind of do that stepping in. So when I say pre preparing before, if you've got some knowledge of group dynamics, and some of the challenges that you might run into as a workshop facilitator, then you can design exercises that will perhaps reduce the chances of those things happening. So one of them is dominating, dominating voices. Mm -hmm. so that exercise that I just explained to you, where you get everybody to, you give everybody a stack of post-it notes and you give everybody a minute or two to write down silently what they think, then that immediately prevents the people that are going to speak up first from speaking up first and then influencing the rest of the conversation everybody everybody has a view there um other things that you can do is um, in terms of design if you have got a knowledge of the people in the room from perhaps attending meetings with them before and you've got a little bit of a knowledge of who might dominate the conversation um who are the perhaps the extroverts or the introverts then use breakout groups in a way that groups kind of the people that are good at expressing themselves together yeah. and the introverts or the people that like to think before they speak yeah. together because there'll be a bit more of an equal conversation right. as well um, you can do exercise you can design in exercises where for example ideas are posted up on a wall um, perhaps anonymously and you get people to vote on those ideas so again it doesn't matter who that idea comes from actually everybody's idea has the opportunity to be critiqued mm. so there's certain things that you can do if you're very new to facilitation which will help your facilitation on the day and perhaps reduce your chance just in the initial stages of facilitation of having to step in like I believe really with good facilitation actually it seems like the facilitator has very little presence on the day yeah. they're, they're almost invisible in a sense it's actually more to do with the people in the room yes. um, so if you kind of take out this idea that you need to be up there presenting you need to have a big personality as a facilitator then that takes a lot of pressure off because yes. it's not about you it's about what you encourage other people to do yeah very much and do you think a facilitator should also be an, a participant? No, absolutely <laughs> not. Actually, I kind of did this yesterday with a client. We had a, a debrief of a, um, of a project that we'd worked on. And, you know, it was kind of sort of arranged quite last minute. And I said, you know, the, the, my client said to me, do you want to run this as a session or do it informally? And I thought, well, the thing is, is if we do it informally, then it's not really going to be that useful because it's going to turn into a talking shop. Yeah. So it's like, okay, I will run it as a session. I will facilitate, but with a massive caveat that this is going to be really challenging. Um, and I might get a little bit stuck because it's, it's, it's almost impossible, I think, to facilitate and be involved in the discussion. Yeah, because as a facilitator, you want to be quite objective. You want to be objective. And when people are perhaps getting stuck in a discussion or in an idea or they're stuck in conflict, then you need to have that kind of that ability to step back and yeah. really see what's going on when people are, when the participants are too involved in the details, they can't necessarily see when they go around in a discussion loop or they're getting stuck on a really simple point, which actually isn't important. But as you, you as a facilitator, if you've got that overview, then you can see that. And if you're involved in the discussion, then you're just one of the participants who is getting involved in the detail. Yeah, and I think, you know, the energy that that takes out of you as a facilitator, you, you know this all too well, 
being so like present and observant facilitators don't check out yeah like I think when you're running a session and you get someone to do an exercise you assume that the facilitator is not doing anything and they're just counting down the time until the exercise is done but in fact it's it's completely different right absolutely and it's really funny because very early on in my facilitation experience when this is kind of when I wasn't sure I didn't really know that I was a facilitator and we're running a workshop that I'd planned and I spent so much time planning um, and I you know turned up on the day and I was introducing the exercise exactly like that and giving um, participants time to work in groups and I had someone come up to me at the end of the session and say well, you've got a good gig there you haven't really done much work have you <laughs> and I just thought that's such a cheek but he, that's what it looks like yeah, right but yeah. really you know I say that those times are like you say when you switch on because you're scanning the room to make yeah. sure that everybody is understands what you've asked them to do that they're getting involved in the discussion you're trying to also monitor the energy and see if you know you need to kind of perhaps bring in a bit of an energizer or you need to change the discussion round um, and also this is the time you know for me in those times in the in the in the session when people are working in groups that's my time to kind of re group myself and perhaps yeah. review the content that's been generated before and look back and think can I see any new connections have I got any new insights so you're constantly on, on. Yes. yes and I think that's another thing people don't appreciate or or underestimate is you know you might set out that morning with a plan but you as a good facil- facilitator has a plan b c d e f based on what comes out during the session so you, you have to be really so on that you can, like that, just snap my fingers, that was the noise, mm-hmm. um, be able to switch your plan on the yeah, spot. absolutely. And I, that it just takes so much. Yeah, yeah. And also um, kind of doing that in a way that doesn't cause confusion and frustration to the participants yes. as well they shouldn't um, notice yeah they shouldn't notice I mean there are times like you know I think it's okay as a facilitator this is something that I've kind of really developed and tried to get comfortable with throughout my practice is you know it sounds a, a, a little bit fuzzy a little bit fluffy but this idea of vulnerability yeah. in a session as well and actually if you as a facilitator are stuck because everything seems like a bit of a mess and you don't know where to go, but being okay with asking the participants and saying, right, okay, this has taken a bit of a turn that I wasn't expecting to, what would you, what do you think would be useful to, for you to do next? Yeah, that that's amazing because I've, I've been in sessions where it is taking a turn, the energy is low, mm. and the facilitator is ramming down a pre-planned agenda that is now no longer a fit. And it feels uncomfortable and you, yeah. that, you know, it's all about energy. Facilitating is about energy and mm. it's okay to ask. And it's good to ask. I think you then build that appreciation and realness with the audience. Absolutely. That yeah. like, I'm listening to you and I want to make sure this is valuable yeah. for you. It's not about yeah. my outcome. Yeah. It's yeah. about your outcome. Absolutely. That's, yeah, it's, it's really neat. And I think you only appreciate that when you've been on the other side. Yes, I know I did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think the other thing as well as a facilitator um, is sometimes in the session, like I've, I've done, I mean, this is also very recently, where I don't feel like things are going well. Mm. Like I really, and I even get to the end of a session and I'm like, I don't know what happened there, whether that worked or not. But because people have been taken through 
kind of a, an experience or um, guided through a discussion in a way that they haven't before, it's immensely yeah. useful to them. Yeah. So there are things as a facilitator that you can't see because you're not a participant. Yes. And sometimes, you know, silence doesn't mean that people aren't engaging. It could mean that they're really thinking and really yeah. kind of, you know, getting down, getting down to the detail on the task. And that can feel quite uncomfortable. Yes, that was like one of my biggest learnings when I did the uh, executive coaching training was mm. getting used to silence. Yes. And it, we, whenever we are, find ourselves in a silent moment, we want to fill it. That's our natural inclination is to fill the space. But learning to be comfortable in silence to the point where they're so uncomfortable that they start talking again. Exactly. That's that's yeah. Like really playing good. chicken. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's um. I think there's a few things that you can do there as well in um. You know, in, in this kind of silence thing is definitely waiting. Yeah. Um. Because as I say, silence doesn't mean that they they're not thinking. In fact, it probably does mean that they're thinking. If you pose the question, that you always need a pause. Yes. Because they're processing what you've just asked them to do. Yeah. Um. The other thing as well is that, you know, if people don't start coming up with ideas, I. It was ages ago that I read this blog post, and I can't remember who it's from. I have to find the the quote, but um, someone came up with this idea called the McDonald's theory, mm-hmm. um, which is the idea is that you you have to suggest like the worst possible idea or the you know a terrible idea, and people will soon start coming up with better solutions. Yes. So if you're sitting around a table and everybody wants to know, um, are, are trying to decide where to go for lunch. And no one's coming up with an idea. Say McDonald's, and we'll be like, "No, we don't want to go to McDonald's. Let's go <laughs> then to." Then you start building. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Sorry if That's you like great. McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> Could be something else. Yeah. Um, okay, quick, a couple, like fast round questions. Do you have a favorite exercise that you love to use, or your go-to? Okay, so my go-to exercise is the brain dump, which I explained to yeah. you, the kind of very, very simple facilitation technique. Um, I love exercises where people have to stand up and work to the wall. Yeah. Um, so I like anything that requires kind of printing out a poster or working to a flip chart or organising post-it notes into some kind of framework. Yeah. So I've used um, the business model canvas before and the value proposition canvas, even mm. like a SWOT analysis exactly yeah Yeah, those kinds of frameworks are great so when you're kind of thinking about facilitation the more frameworks and things like that that you can put under your belt or into your facilitation kind of suitcases as you like then you can pull those out and turn them into exercises perfect next question and you've just touched upon it what's in your facilitation suitcase oh gosh okay loads of stuff so on a very practical level um sort of tangible level post-it notes sharpies <laughs> flip chart do you have markers. shares and post-it notes i don't have shares and post-it notes <laughs> but would? i probably should actually my boyfriend um laughed at me the other day when i said i had to go and buy some post-it notes he just thinks i've got so many i have some um, in my purse everyone yeah, yeah always so handy Flip chart markers, always take your own flip chart markers as a facilitator yeah. because the ones that are by the flip chart never ever work. Um, blue tack, little cards like flashcards, anything for kind of, you know, downloading information and being able to sort it. Um, also have some little prompt cards as well. So I've got, um, what's it called? Oh, the Innovators Whack Pack and the Creators Creative Whack Pack, mm. which are like sets of cards with lots of. Um, questions on mm. uh, which are intended to spark creative thinking and I'll use those in two ways I'll either use it for myself when I'm planning exercises or I'll take them into sessions and if people are getting stuck on creative ideas and I might kind of hand them out oh, to, to encourage it's like a them. prompt exactly oh, wow. exactly prompt cards 
And what do you think, what role does facilitation play in the future of work? So I am a bit biased, but I think it's absolutely essential <laughs> to the future of work because uh, you know, the, because the, work, the, the nature of the workplace as we know it is completely changing. Yes. You know, everything's a lot more uncertain. Everything needs to be collaborative, a lot more collaborative. And that means that we need to start to feel comfortable with not knowing the answer yes. um, and also being able to bring people together from different expertise and because that's the way that work is going to be organised or is already organised in kind of these teams, multidisciplinary teams that come together very, very quickly. And for me, facilitation is absolutely key for that because you need to know, you know, how do you bring people together? How do you get them sort of moving in the same direction? How do you create an environment that allows everybody to contribute their ideas? Um, how do you create an environment that gets the best out of everybody? Mm. Um, and you know, facilitation, not managing, is really the, the 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 key to that. I feel. So, do you think in the future there'll be like a facilitation department? I'd love to love to see that. Um, I think it's less going to be about facilitation department and more about roles, mm -hmm. people that kind of fall into the role of not a manager but more team facilitators right. and people that are specifically trained or developed in knowing how to bring the right people together, how mm -hmm. to kick off those projects and how to keep keep them going throughout a project as well. I think, I think you're spot on and I think it's, I've seen it in a couple of companies that get that and yeah looking forward to seeing that spread yeah. wider and wider and wider because there is so much value to bringing well it, it just makes business sense bringing people together to get great ideas absolutely how have we not been doing this yeah yeah absolutely right <laughs> um well that's it from me i just want to thank you for taking the time to be on the it's a pleasure it's been nice fun yeah it has been and yeah. I, I hope we can do that again because i think facilitation as it evolves the conversation will evolve and it would be great to hear your thoughts definitely thank you well that's a wrap for this week i hope you enjoyed my conversation with allison and were able to pick up some tips and tricks that you can start implementing immediately into your team if you've got something to say about this podcast episode you can tweet us at overtime leader on twitter we've also got a facebook page overtime leadership so like that and as always, sign up to our newsletter so you can get weekly content related to management, leadership, building teams, etc. We tend to interview both practitioner managers so we can hear from real-world examples as well as subject matter experts like Allison who can deep dive on a specific topic. Uh, next podcast is out in the next couple of weeks. We are going to be speaking to Melissa Andrada from Learnably. And she's going to give us the insight and lowdown on how to best learn. That's both for yourself as a manager and also how do you get your team to learn. Fascinating topic. Another deep dive uh, expertise podcast episode. Really looking forward to that. And if you have any topics that you think would be relevant to cover, let me know. Jillian at firsttimeleader.tv. And if you think you know someone or you think yourself would be an excellent guest on this podcast, then do drop me a line and introduce yourself. I am very approachable via email. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, I'm Jillian Davis.